in a world full of children that rarely ever talk to their parents anymore, well, this is the first interview of the air show. And in today's interview, believe it or not, is actually with my own father. So yes, I know I'm already going to get some grain in this specific interview. But in fact, this interview has already happened and it's also on the Real Dads United podcast. But since I am merging everything together, I am going to share with all of you the interview sit down that I had with my very own father. And he talks about his life, his upbringing, and a lot of the things that he wanted to instill in me as we were growing up. And of course, you know, we talk about a wide range of things in this specific interview. And I'm also here to tell you in season two, um, yeah, him and I were going to be sitting down and having another conversation. <laughs> kind of like a... Um, <sighs> kind of like a part two to this whole entire interview because this one was actually done like a couple of years back but with that being said dad go ahead and take it away i would say like most children i looked up to my father um i wanted to be just like him um you know he was my best friend he was always there for me um you know in a way he was a little bit overboard on that because um at that time in the 60s uh, he sold insurance was making good money so basically i had anything and everything i ever wanted and he kind of took that to an extreme at times because anytime i wanted something he would give it to me um, you asked the question about um, the things that i learned i learned one of the things was that i was spoiled and so I knew that when I raised my children, I want them to suffer the same things that I did um, you know, in that. That's why in raising you and my daughter, um, you know, I tried my best to teach you how to um, be responsible people. Um, I tried to teach you the work ethic. One of the things my dad did teach me is that um, you know, if you wanted something, you had to work for it. Right. <sighs> Which, I mean, that's kind of like with me, and like you did, you've done a really amazing job with doing that. It's kind of like my, whenever it comes to my work ethic, it's just like whenever I have a vision of something, I go all in and I just, I have to see it through. Like I can't just do that one foot in, one foot out. Like I have to be all in, and that's kind of like even with this podcast, you know, it's just, it's a vision that I had and it's something that I've been continuously building up to. And then of course I had a bunch of amazing guys ask me, Hey Andy, you know, why don't we just put together like a dad group and let's help other fathers out to where they can learn from some of our mistakes and they can learn from our good experiences, you know, basically learn from all of us. So therefore like some, like, because there's some fathers out there that they're brand new to it and they're brand new to fatherhood. And some of these guys, like I know, like even I was one of them, whatever with my firstborn, like I was, I was scared. I was terrified. Like I was scared. I was scared to fail. And it just, even though I had you, it just, it still was, I was still terrified to fail as a father. Now, six years later, you know, and plus we have another boy now, 
at six years later, I mean, our six-year-old, he's very respectful. He's very happy. He's outgoing. He's energetic. And a lot of that has to do with my wife and I and how we've raised him and that kind of thing. But, again, whenever it comes back to, like, with work ethic and making sure that you, whenever you do something, see things all the way through, yes, that, like, that was one of the, one of the great things that you did instill in me. Is that, I mean, in all reality, you have to work for every single thing that you have. Well, I can remember many years ago, um, different people who knew me when I was a child and was growing up and through my teenage years used to get on to me and say, well, you know, when you were a kid, you had anything you wanted. Why do you make Andy uh, take out the garbage? Why do you make him cut grass? Why do you make him, you know, pay for things above and beyond what he needs? Now, when I say that, you know, it's stuff like if you needed gym shoes or tennis shoes, I would buy you what you needed, but if you wanted Adidas or Nikes or something, then you would have to put in the extra money to, you know, pay for the thing that was above and beyond what you really needed. Now, of course, you know, the chores you did, I gave you the allowance so that you had the money to get it, but I was trying to instill in you that you had to work for the things that you wanted. If you wanted something nice and you had to have the extra money, uh, it was something that I wasn't taught because everything was just handed to me. And it comes back to the old saying that nothing's appreciated unless it's earned. Because I had things given to me, I didn't ever appreciate things and I would take advantage of that and things didn't mean anything. But I learned being an adult that whenever you work for things, then it's more valuable to you because you had to put in the blood, sweat, and tears to get it. And that's one of the things I tried to instill upon you. And, and I, But I can remember people would criticize me by saying that, but the reality is is that I didn't want you to suffer the things that I had to suffer and the things I had to learn as a grown adult. I wanted those to be instilled upon you as you were growing up so that it came naturally as you say it does now. Oh, yeah. And that's kind of like even like with even with the life that I have currently, like if people were to just see me on the on the street and that kind of ordeal, you know, they see that I, I have a nice house, I have a nice truck, you know, I have a lot of nice materialistic things. But what they don't see is all the sacrifice, all the hard work, all the all the stuff that I had to put into it to have some of the some of the luxuries that I that I've been able to give myself. And I mean, it's also like I do have to give credit to my wife as well. Like with her and I, we work as a team on a lot of different things. And I know that, you know, even with some other men out there just in general. Like some men out there, they don't have that team effort when it comes to relationships and that kind of ordeal. And it's, and like I'm here to say, like whenever it comes to raising a family and raising kids, it has to be a team effort. You know, whether you're in a relationship with the mother or not, which I mean, I can't really say anything about people that are not in the relationship with the mother because I mean, with my wife and I, we, we, She's the only person I have kids with. So, and her and I were still together. We've been together for, she's going on 10 years, or not 10 years, but almost 12 years now. So, I mean, her and I, we've been together a good minute, and it's, it's been a lot of fun, too. Um, but, anyway, back, back to what we were talking about. Well I, I think, <laughs> well, I think it's natural. 
I think it's natural for all parents to want their kids to have a better life than they had. I mean, that's the progression of, of us advancing in the human race. And your mother and I both, that is one thing I can say, is we were dedicated into uh, our children having a better lifestyle than she had growing up and a better one than I had growing up. Yeah. And like I said, with mine, I didn't make the money that my dad made. So I had to, you know, adapt to that. And so my adaptation was uh, for you to learn how to be a responsible human being, uh, someone who knew that in order to have things that you had to put effort into getting the things that you truly wanted oh, instead yeah. of just having them handed to you. Oh, yeah. And I mean, that's something I can honestly say, like with that type of, with that, with that being instilled in me, I mean, of course it's worked. I mean, with everything that we have, like my wife and I, we bust our butts to get, like through and through. It just, you know, and like some of the things, like people, like I said, people look at us now and they're like, you know what, you've made it, you're successful and that kind of ordeal. And you know, they're absolutely right. I mean, and, and it's like, yeah, we have made it. But we've also, what they don't see is whenever we drop down to just one income to where my wife would go to nursing school and our dinner table, like y'all see, like we have a legit dinner table now, but y'all, what y'all don't see is the countless days that we had a coffee table for a dinner table. Like that's, that was our dinner table was a coffee table. And in fact, we still have it now. Um, but, but now it's actually used as a coffee table instead of a dinner table, but that, that's what we had, you know, we didn't have much, you know, and that's because like we, we made it to where like I was the only income at the time while she was going to nursing school and we were also on top of it while she was going to nursing school, save up a good chunk of money to where we could have a down payment on a house whenever we decided to move. Because that was actually one of the reasons why she went back to nursing school was to get her RN is because she wanted to move down here to Orlando and I was like well yeah that's cool yeah we can move but what people don't see is what we had to do in order to make that move because like up in Tallahassee which is which is where I'm from I mean we were making really good money for Tallahassee you know as a couple but then when we dropped down to just my income, of course I had to make some shifts and that kind of ordeal to where I knew that we would be okay dropping down to just my income, but also being able to save up the money that we needed to save in order to come down here. Now that also translated like I was driving a paid off car. Like I was driving a paid off car and that car, before we got rid of it. Now, by the way, whenever we got rid of the cars, whenever we decided to upgrade to my truck, I mean, we paid it off and it had like 140, 150,000 miles whenever we decided to finally get the truck. But the thing is, it's like, yeah, could I have afforded to get that new truck before, you know, after everything was said and done with? Yeah, we could. You know, could have could I have gotten that new truck while we were still up in Tallahassee? Yes, I could. But that also translates if I were to gotten that, you know, new truck up in Tallahassee, 
that would also meant that there was also a possibility we wouldn't have been able to make that transition to down here. And by me holding off on that one and being able to save up, and which is some things that, you know, my dad instilled in me was, hey, if you want something, save up and get it. And that's kind of the point I'm trying to get at is, yes, even though I've been wanting a new truck, been wanting a new truck, and I've been wanting a new truck pretty much ever since I got that car. You know, I didn't get that new truck until, for one, that other car, it was paid off. But I also got my full use out of the car. But I also didn't get the truck until it made sense. Well, I think in striving to raise your children to give them a better life than the one you had, um, that you have to, to look back at the way your parents raised you, whether it be a single parent or both of them together. And what you want to do is you want to use the things that were good, you want to continue in those things. Um, the things that were bad, then you don't want to bring those into your children's lifestyle. And the things that were all right, you, you know, you want to improve upon. Right. Now, like I said, with the work ethic, I was raised where everything was handed to me. Uh, you know, I knew that wasn't a good thing. I've suffered for years uh, trying to, uh, you know, get my life a budget um, to be able to live within my means and those type things. Um, you know, so that was one of the things I wanted to change. Another thing that I wanted to change also was that when I was raised back in the 60s, my parents did not um, bring me into any type of spiritual or religious aspect. Um, that didn't come in my life until later on with the passing of my, my dad and dealing with that. Uh, you know, being raised in a home where you didn't go to church and, you know, God was never mentioned um, these were things that I had to learn and that I have um, tried to instill upon my children. But you have to be careful with that. It's kind of a, 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 a tightrope walk because I know of people who were forced to go to church and then they end up rejecting it and turning from it. So since I knew that was it too, but yet I want to instill upon them the basics of uh, you know their relationship with God and so that's one of the things that was lacking in uh, my childhood that I tried to bring into uh, with you and your sister um, it was 93 that I got saved and so that would have made you what seven you know she was two um, so with that you got to see things um, that I never saw and, right. and that's brought you to where you're at. And it's an ongoing thing. We were talking about that just this morning on how, you know, in the last 26 years, uh, my understanding of God and the Bible and church and churchianity, whatever you want to put it, uh, you know, it, it changes with time. It's a progressive revelation. Right. I mean, that in itself, and I'm not trying to uh, get change the subject here but it's a biblical revelation god has revealed himself to mankind over the last six thousand years in a progressive way uh teaching more and more and that's the same thing that happens with us uh you know says you draw close to god he draws close to you um that's the same thing as you seek god he reveals himself more to you right oh and i agree and it's kind of like even even my walk with God, it's it hasn't always been the best. Um, it wasn't until these last several months that I've like it, it was it was a personal choice. Like, 
you know, my wife and I, we, we sat down one day and we were, we were looking at things and I mind you, I'm about to be a hundred percent like blunt, transparent. When it comes to relationships, none of them is perfect. So with that being said, a couple months back, um, I, my wife and I, we were going through some issues and that kind of deal. And we were talking, I'm like, you know what? Let's give church a try. So we did. And I don't know what really happened. It's just something inside both of us. It changed. And it changed for the good. I mean, it could be, it might have been like some of the messages that the preacher was, like he was talking about and some of the different scriptures he was saying. It just, it really, it knocked it out of the park for both of us. And it it helped. Well, and I think a, a lot of that has to do with where you're at in life. Well, yeah. I mean, here again, uh, you know, after my dad passed away, um, you know, I was in my early 30s. I had already mentioned that you were like seven years old. Well, <laughs> yeah. see, now your son is six and he's about to turn seven. And so you're in that stage of life where you're seeking out those things. And those are good things. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're good things because people have different questions, but you have to... Uh, you know, bring it to people and children to, to, at the level where they're at. I remember a year or so ago, I was talking to Danny, which is your son, my grandson, you know, about those things. And, and you have to bring it to their level. Uh, uh, you know, with him, his name being Danny, it's Daniel. So I told him, I said, you know, did you hear about Daniel and how, you know, he was in the lion's den and he used one for a pillow and, you know, th those type things. Uh, to get him related into that. And right. as you said also, in choosing the different churches you went to, um, was that you had to find one where your wife was happy and comfortable, where your son enjoyed the the teachers and the kids he was playing with, and that, you know where you also, the whole family has to be fed in this because each person is in a different place. Right. And, and like I said, I didn't mean to bring a religious tone into this conversation. But, but you know, that's what I'm saying is when you ask, well, how's my relationship with my dad? Well, I loved my dad. I looked up to him. I, you know, wanted to be just like him. Uh, and, and that's how kids are. Uh, even if you don't realize that they're sponges and they're listening to everything you have to say. And that's what I'm saying. The good things you want to continue in the bad yeah. things you want to get rid of because you know you got to admit in families there's a lot of dysfunction in families uh, i mean you know and you can take that to the ultimate extreme god's family is dysfunctional you know uh so you know all of us have our problems but we want to try to correct the problems oh yeah and to you know make it a better place for everyone you want to progress in your lifestyle in oh, raising yeah. your kids and that's, you know, part of what we're doing here by sharing these things. Um, you know, I, the way I was raised and then the way I raised you. And then now being, a, for lack of a better term, empty nester, both of my children are grown adults and they're out. And so now they have their lives. Yep. So to where I was in control for a while, uh, you have to back off because now it's your life and they're your children. Now, true, I'll point out things that I think should be done in a certain way, but I can't force you to do anything. You're going to do what you're going to do, and you're going to raise your kids the way you're going to raise your kids. You know, But here again, 
where the Bible says if you raise a child in the way they go, when they grow older, they will continue in it. Now, that's a paraphrase, but that's the same thing. I led you in the direction you needed to go, but left you free to experiment and find your own place, and now you're doing the same thing. It's, it's moving in that yeah. regression. But it's, and it's also like one thing you probably see, everything's in a more positive type direction. Instead of, you know, me living a, like a negative and miserable life and it just spewing a bunch of negativity and nonsense out in, out in the world, you know, instead of me doing one thing that like one thing society, at least I feel society likes teaching people to do is, well, you know what, negativity is the one that really, you know, takes over the world and that kind of ordeal because that's the only thing that gets ratings apparently nowadays. I'm doing my part to help other people, to help other, especially fathers. Like I'm doing my part to help other fathers to, to be better. You know, like come learn from some of our, some of our strong suits, but also some areas of where, you know, we were lacking and that kind of ordeal. But like, that's the most important part is to make sure that whenever, like this, this is something that's kind of like, Something that I, I kind of think about, and I, and I hope this happens, like whenever I, whenever I do end up leaving this world, is that with my life, I wanted to, I wanted to have like a stamp on it that you know what, and you made this world a better place. And I mean, some people they may look at it in all different kinds of ways, but with me, I'm going to know like within myself, you know, I did what I felt that I needed to do to make this world a better place. And that's just well, and that's how me. <laughs> and that's how society is. I mean, we can see that. You talk about, I've heard you say on some of your other things, uh, about not watching the news. Well, have you ever noticed that the news always talks about the bad things, but they never talk about the good things? Um, you know, that's the same thing that goes on in politics and uh, you know in people voting now we don't need to get into a political debate <laughs> about republican independent or democrat but here again with me it always comes back to the as you're saying the good in people and the good in the world and you can find those things in the bible and other commentaries right. uh, um, that seek out the good and the betterment of mankind because that's what it's really all about it's about bettering the human race and that's why you need to be careful when you look at different people and what they're promoting mm -hmm. you know are they are they promoting you know truth love and freedom or are they promoting you know lies deception and coercion uh, and you need to be careful because people will fool you um, and, and so here again, not meaning to get into the political realm, but that's just how I am. Now people will say, oh, you're a right-wing conservative and all that stuff. Well, it's not that I'm a right-wing conservative. It's just, you know, you're supposed to strive for the betterment of mankind. And when you see people that are promoting things that are not the betterment of man mankind, we are blessed to have a country where we can vote in you know, people we have, as it says, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Mm -hmm. You know, we have a government that's by the people for the people, uh, yep. you know, and, and we need to continue in that. We don't need to give away those things because, you know, we need to be free to raise our children in the way that we see fit, the way that's 
good and makes them better uh, integral members of society, not you know derelicts and, and degenerates that are bringing the world down. Right. And so that's why we need to stand up for what's right. We need to stand up for what's good, and we need to point out uh, and expose the things that are wrong and the things that are ungodly. Right. Well, and it's just, even with those things, it just, I mean, yeah, like I, like I agree, even like with exposing like all the negative aspects in that kind of deal, because like y'all end up noticing like wherever it comes to the media and that kind of ordeal, I, I call it the way it is. Like 95% of what comes on the media is negative nonsense. And it's like, I don't know about y'all, but whenever I watch the news, within about five minutes, I start feeling bad. Like a, it's a bad type of energy. Like it's even, it's sometimes I start getting depressed. And it's all from watching the news. But yet whenever I go outside and talk to my neighbors, I really don't get that vibe at all. It's like I, we go out there and we just, we talk about like the great things that are going on in life. And, and that's like just one thing that like I see on a personal type level. It's whenever you look for positive things, you'll find them. But again, you can flip that another way around. Whenever you're looking for negative things, oh, you'll find them. It's just all depends. What do you want to attract? You know, do you want to attract a good positive life or do you want to attract a negative one? Because, I mean, I've seen both sides within my own life. Like, whenever I was looking for a lot, like, a lot of negative stuff, I mean, I found it. Like, I found all the negativity. I found all that other nonsense. But whenever I started looking for the positive, I started looking for the good in things, I found those as well. And I know it's like whenever people, whenever they look more towards the positive things, like I end up noticing, like I even watch other people, like whenever they're starting to do positive things and taking positive steps for a good, a good positive movement to make a good positive change, they typically make it. Because of the fact like that's what they're looking for, that's what they're striving for, and then they do it. But also same as go with people that are looking to tear down people, whenever people are looking at all the negative things. Like I start to look at their life as well, like whenever they're looking at all the negative aspects and that's all they can focus on. And I see those same exact people and they're miserable. Like whenever you talk to them, their lives are miserable. Because like that's all they can focus on, like that's all they're honed in on is all the negative and nonsense going on around them. Instead of trying to look for the good, trying to look for the positive. Like I mean, I've seen it, I've lived it, been there, done that. Got the t-shirt, worn it, whole nine yards. And I mean, even with you, I'm pretty sure that you've also seen all the same as well. You know, you've seen the good, you've seen the bad, you've seen the uglies. Well, and that's why you need to be careful. All of us need to be careful because, um, you know, our kids are watching us. They're listening to us. They're imitating us. I mean, you know, how many times have you seen a kid and they'll say something and you know that, that they're just parroting something their parents said? And it's funny because, you know, your kids will get you in trouble if you don't watch out too. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember we were having a conversation sometime. Uh, it was during the holidays and we were in the other room there and I mentioned something about yeah her brain had snapped 
And next thing I know, Danny comes around the corner and said, her brain snapped. And I said, yeah, her brain snapped. Well, now here he is, six years old, and he's got to try to figure out what I'm trying to say about that. But what I was trying to say was I was talking to y'all, but he was over here behind the door, you know, playing with a Lego or something, but he yeah. was tuned in to what I was saying. And so he tried to figure this out on what I was yeah. talking about. And that's what we need to be careful about because your kids are going to be looking to you. They're going to be, you know, imitating you. They're going to be listening to you. They're trying to understand the things you're saying and how it relates to their life. And sometimes you can say something when they're five and six years old and it won't affect them until they're 15 or 16 years old. Uh, Same thing, they might be 10 or 12 years old and they might be 20 or 30 years old. you know, everything you say and do, they're looking up to you and they're looking to you as an example. So that's why we need to strive to be the best example we can be. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect, but the thing is, is it doesn't matter how many times you fall down. What counts is how many times you get back up. And that's the that's the the proof right there is how many times you keep getting back up, you keep doing what's right, you keep striving for what's good, you keep trying to bring your kids up in a good godly way that's positive influence so that as i said before that they can be outstanding fully functioning members of society oh yeah and it's like i mean even even with us i mean i'm living proof i mean with the way i was raised i mean i'm living proof that for one i'm responsible i mean whenever it comes to budgeting and that kind of ordeal i mean that's something that i was taught at an earlier age now, I also know, like, with, you know, and that's like even you said, you know, you, like, even with you, you've been trying to figure out how to do the budget, stay within the budget, to be able to start saving money and that kind of Well, way. you've been actually better with me. Yeah. As, you've, as you've said before, is that you can be an example as being a negative example. Um, you know, unfortunately, I'm sorry to say that there's been times where you learned to do what was right because you saw me do something that was wrong. Yeah, You know, I've had to hear again, this comes all the way back to my childhood because everything was handed to me. It took me a long time into my 50s uh, before I could learn to live within my means because I always wanted more, and but yet I didn't have the means that my dad did. I mean, you know, just as an example, I remember I saw his income tax uh, W-2 form uh, from 1969. He made $12,000. Well, nowadays, $12,000 isn't much money. But if you look back at 1969, that means that he was basically making $1,000 a month. Well, the average Joe, like you and me, right. at that time, you know, was making, you know, 100 bucks a week. You know, so if they were making $400, see, he was making three times as much as the normal Joe would make. So, see, he had plenty of money. I mean, you know, it's like I look back and I think, wow, his house payment wasn't but $65 a month. You know, he paid $8,500 for that house. And when I looked it up two years ago when you moved here, it's worth $280,000 now. Yep. You know, I think about that. I think, wow, he bought that house for 8500 bucks in 1966. You know, had a $65 a month payment. He was renting out a house over in Sanford for 40 bucks a month. Well, you know, he probably only spent $4,000 for it, you know, so that's what I'm saying. But he had the money. 
to be able to buy things and to be able to get things. You know, he had in 1965, uh, 1965 uh, Lincoln with the suicide doors. Uh, you know, it was a company car. You know, you know, all these things that the normal person didn't have. And so I was raised in that. And But this comes back to what I was saying earlier, was that because of that, I didn't learn how to budget. I didn't know how to do a checkbook. I couldn't live within my means. And you got to see, unfortunately, a lot of the things that happen with that kind of lifestyle when you don't oh, live yeah. within your means. And that's one of the things here, again, that because it was a negative aspect, you learned, well, these are things I don't want to do. Oh, yeah. And so that way you haven't had to experience or suffer the things I have. You have saved up to put a down payment on a house. You know, you had the money to make a car payment, yep. you know, instead of just you know, shooting from the hip, you know, you're going by the seat of your <laughs> pants, as I did many times. But like I said, I had to suffer the consequences, yeah. and you saw those things and knew those are things you didn't want to happen to you right. and your wife and your children. Yeah. So that's kind of like with how I'm raising Danny. It's just, he doesn't get everything under the sun. Like, he doesn't get all of his wants. Of course, he gets all of his needs, but he doesn't get all of his wants. Like he now, mind you, this kid he wants a lot of things, but he doesn't get all. Well, and that's another thing too that I think we need to share with other dads, because different people are in different places. I, you know, I can remember back whenever uh, you were born, uh, you know, having to pay for diapers, uh, having to pay for this, and having to pay for that, and you kept thinking, well, if only I could get them out of diapers. But as soon as you're out of diapers, well, then you needed something else. Yep. Well, if I could just get them into school, then you know. And as as you got older, the things got more and more expensive. I was mentioning to you about you know in band. Uh, you know, I had to make payments on a trombone so that you could be in band. And I remember paying $40 a month for a year so that you could have a trombone to be in band. And, you know, and that $40 a month, the diapers didn't cost that, you know, eight years earlier. So that's another thing you need to keep in mind is as your kids get older, it's going to cost you more money. Uh, for different things as they get older you know once they reach 16 you got to help them to get a car you know you got to pay for insurance mm -hmm. uh, you know things happen and you need to be prepared for those things oh yeah i mean that's like even with even with danny i mean even though he's six like whenever he was two three and four years old i mean he didn't really have that many expenses i guess you can say but now that he's six, he's in elementary school. You know, now we have you know extracurricular activities that he wants to be in. It's like he he enjoys soccer, and now that and now he's also starting to want to play basketball and that kind of ordeal. So then you have all those expenses. Uniforms. Yep, you got uniforms. You got registration fees. You got all these other fees and stuff. And I mean, those are extracurricular things that. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of parents don't account for. And not only do you have to budget for money, but you also have to budget for time for yep. practice and taking him and out in the backyard and you know, all yep. those other things. And it's just, unfortunately, that's like something that a lot of fathers, like even with me, like I was even having issues with that, is making sure that I prioritize my time to where I do spend more time with my boys and that kind of thing. And I mean, in fact, it's like, I've taken almost six months off of work to, well, for one, to work on like my personal businesses and stuff that I have going on, but I also got to spend more time with my boys. 
Now, I do understand, like a lot of dads, like they're not able to do what I've done. But also, we saved up for it. Like we saved up to where I was allowed and we could afford for me to do this. But I am going to have to go back to work here soon. But here's another thing. Even though, yes, I'm going to be going back to work, I still, throughout this time, have gotten to the point of where I have learned to manage my time better to where I in my focus is more on getting to spend quality time with my boys instead of quantity, if that makes sense. And that's, and that's one thing that like with the fathers out there, you know, even though some of y'all, y'all may be working 40, 50, 60 hours a week, it's not necessarily the amount of time that you spend with your kids. It's the quality of time that you're spending with them. You know, so it's like instead of coming home after work and sitting on the couch and just watching TV and zoning out, which, by the way, 100% guilty of doing that. Um, instead of doing that, come home, get involved, especially if they're still awake, come home, get involved, you know, help them out with their homework, read to them. I mean, go outside, shoot some hoops, play baseball. I mean, whatever, even do Legos. You know, just spend quality time with them and engaging with your kids. It just, and it really doesn't matter the age. Now, of course, if they're older and they're in video games and that kind of stuff, then yeah, sure. I mean, go and play video games with them and have fun. But most importantly, make sure you're spending quality time with them instead of just being around, if that makes sense. You know, kind of like whenever I was, four, I was like 14, 15, or 16 years old, and whenever we... Like you were driving for a contractor with a post office and that kind of ordeal. Like some of the quality times that we were actually able to spend together was those times. Like, you know, throughout my childhood, those memories were my strongest. And it's because of the actual quality time that we got to sit together, spend time together, just get to ride in the truck and just talk. You know, get to talk about life, get to talk about other kinds of random things that are going on within our lives and that kind of ordeal. I mean, those are some of the things that I really remember. And it's just, it's, it's stuck with me. It's because it was, it was good quality time that we got to spend together. And I know that there's, you know, more times that we spent together like before then, but I mean, I'm also 33 now. So it's like, and as time goes on, your memory fades and that kind of ordeal. But... Those are some of the memories that that I really that I have, and it's really stuck with me and resonated with me and that kind of ordeal. But I do know that uh, I do need to get going and that kind of ordeal. So, with that being said, um, what are some other amazing tips that you can give other fathers out there before we fully wrap this thing up? Well, as I said before, you just want to. Uh draw on your past experiences uh, with the way your parents raised you. You want to focus on the good things, as you said, the things you remember, the quality time. Uh, you want to improve upon the good things. You want to eradicate the negative things. And the things that were all right, you want to, uh, you know, make improve upon those things. You know, you mentioned the riding in the postal truck. I also remember that uh, one of the vehicles I got you, the old Mitsubishi, <laughs> uh, that thing you had to work on it every week. 
But during that time, you mentioned you yeah. remember, and I remember leaning over that thing while you were working on it because it was something you always had to scrape off the head or something. <laughs> it was something that had to be done every 100 miles you drove it. But I could remember every weekend us being up underneath the hood and you know talking about this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, you also remember the things, as you said, as you get older, you said 33, in a few months you'll be 34. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you don't remember the things before that, and you also probably would remember the one-on-one things more uh, than the things that we did as a family, because right. then we were focused, you know, we had your sister there also, and, you know, whether it be, you know, with dogs and cats and horses or whatever the item may be, uh, you know, you don't remember uh, those things as much as you do the one-on-one time. Um, you know, I can remember uh, pointing out to both you and your sister, you know, different functions that we used to do that, you know, in the past you may have forgotten, you know, and whether it be, I already mentioned band, you had swimming lessons, you had Boy Scouts, you had all these different things that you did but as you get older, then they got more adult-like, and your memory is clearer on those things uh, than the things that were further back in the past. Yeah. But with all that being said, let's go on and start wrapping this one up. I mean, of course, I'm going to have you come and get on the show and that kind of ordeal to share more of uh, wisdom, and we may end up talking more about religion, and we could talk about politics, but even though... I really don't talk about politics that much, but... Well, we were speaking earlier on that subject, (laughs) and, you know, maybe you can cut this part out and add this to another part, but I was mentioning to you, and I was trying to point out that that's how, where my politics run, is is that, you know, is it uh, for the people, by the people, and of the people, Mm -hmm. you know, are we still free... Uh, is truth still being spoken or are people being deceptive? Are they coercing? Are they bringing this fear tactic? You know, we were mentioning about the, the climate change, which used to be global warming. <laughs> now it's been changed to climate change on how, oh, in 12 years the world's going to end. Well, that was said in the 70s. That was said in the 80s. That was said in the 90s. Al Gore was big in it in 2000. Now you got AOC talking the same thing putting fear tactics, scaring people. I mean, I see on the news, uh, I see on one of the shows I watch called Insight, uh, you know, where people are actually having to see psychiatrists because the younger people are so scared that the world is going to end, you know, tomorrow because, you know, we're driving a, a SUV. You know, as the sign I saw on the way over here earlier that said, stop climate change, vote Democrat. Well, if somebody's a Democrat, that means they're going to stop climate change? No, it's a much <laughs> bigger thing than just voting Democrat. Yeah. And, and that's what I was trying to point out to you, is that, you know, you know who, what are these people standing for? What are they talking about? You know, are they deceptive? Uh, I can point out many different names of different people who have straight out lied, been deceptive, uh, some of the things that they stand for. Uh, you know, I was pointing out, you know, that here again, the biblical thing, choose life that you and your descendants may live. Right. God is pro-choice. <laughs> he said in the garden, be fruitful and multiply. So the, our first parents, 
you know, you know, that to be fruitful and multiply. Those are things that God agrees on. And these people that are out here that are pushing for the opposite, I don't want them in power. I don't want them controlling my money. I don't want them doing this. I want to be free to make decisions on my own and raise my kids the way that I think they need to be raised, right. not the way they think they need to be raised and taught what they think they need to be taught because that's what they're pushing down the pipe. They're pushing all this negativity that the world's going to end and that you need to give all your money to the government and they're going to take care of you and they're going to pay all your bills and they're going to be able to do this, that, and the other thing for you. But remember the old saying that says the government that can give you everything can also take it all away. 100%. Bob, let's go ahead and wrap up uh, today's episode. Um, so... I'm Andy the Southern Dad. I hope each and every single one of y'all has a blessed day. And make sure y'all stay tuned for the following episode. Um, the next episode, I'm going to talk a little bit more on a few other different topics. Um, but make sure you stay tuned for it. I'll see y'all next go around. Have a good one.